Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of Slice of Healthcare. I'm your host, Jared Taylor. This is episode 28. We're not going to waste any time going right into it. So without further ado, let's start it up. Hello? Hi, thank you so right. much for joining us on the Slice of Healthcare podcast. Yeah, we got it to work. Sorry for the, uh, for the technical difficulties. Uh, the first time is connecting can sometimes be a little cumbersome, but once you're in, you're in. Yep. So, uh, thank you so much, uh, again, for being on the podcast. How's your day going so far? Uh, going for well. Excellent. Excellent. I, I think it would be wonderful if you could give the audience a little rundown of, of your career up to this point and we can go from there. Uh, well, I, uh, graduated medical school in, uh, the year 2000 and I started, uh, my career by doing an MPH, uh, teaching public health and doing community outreach services and um, serving in a family medicine clinic. And then I uh, went into to do some research at Cleveland Clinic uh, in 2008, 2009, uh, then started my anesthesia and uh, training at the University of Cincinnati, which uh, is four years of training, then uh, continued actually to uh, my training there as a pain fellow. Uh, for a year, and then moved to University of Wisconsin, where I got to become the uh, medical director of the health system pain services, and to continue to develop the program. Uh, so my career actually is based not only on the clinical practice, but also on uh, um, academia. I like to do research and uh, uh, novel new procedures and treatments. Uh, plus, I like teaching, writing books, so staying busy. Now, what what drew you to the Wisconsin? area so i just uh when i applied here actually i came to the university of wisconsin and the program was very underdeveloped and uh, i received many offers actually from other uh, very well developed uh, pain programs in, in many other states and universities uh, but it's always my philosophy like i saw the opportunity uh, i can develop a big program and uh, be one of the leaders in the field in the state and uh, I did like actually the department and the support that they, uh, uh, that they provide and kind of their vision for the pain program and their desire to develop it. Uh, so that's why I took the job and uh, I'm glad years now, uh, probably five years after, uh, things has been working very well and the program have grown to be one of the biggest in the U.S. Excellent. How's the, uh, how's the weather been up there recently? Uh, that's the only problem here. <laughs> <laughs> So we like everything except the weather. Yeah, I hear you. It's uh, it's been pretty brutal in in Boston today as well, and recently. I mean, it's like negative ten with the wind chill right now. I'm I'm sure you're used to that type of weather as well. So actually, we're we're in better shape than Boston. I think the ah. uh, uh, yeah, because we are like probably inland, so we don't get that uh, much of uh, kind of war, uh, lake effect or ocean effect. So I think we're in better shape. Yeah, well, I'm a little jealous then because yeah. it is very cold here. <laughs> <laughs> I I'd like to talk a little bit. You said, you know, you're an author. Uh, how many books have you authored to date, and uh, what are some of them about? So I did write in several books before as an uh, as an author, as um, as an editor or kind of the main author of a book. Uh, so I already published one uh, called The Chronic Pain, The Patient and Family Journey. And my goal for that book was to uh, provide 
simple teaching to patients or family members, to primary care providers, medical students, and kind of all kind of practitioners and public uh, who would like to learn about chronic pain in a simple, understandable way that anybody can understand. Uh, and then I have actually one more book coming in about a month, uh, which more of a book for the professionals uh, who are uh, practicing pain in one shape or form, uh, help them to prepare for the board exam, or help them to actually take care of their patients and their clinic. So that's more for providers. And I have a third book, um, which I'll submit to the publisher actually in the next two weeks. Uh, it's on the infusion therapy, which is an, another kind of therapy that started by uh, uh, some uh, practices. We, we do a considerable uh, number of patients here at the university. And uh, I found that there are no guidelines uh, published to guide people how to perform this kind of therapy safely and effectively. So I decided to uh, author and edit a book uh, on this. And this hopefully will be out in 2019. Excellent. We look forward to, to that book coming out. And I think this leads us into a, a good question, right? It's, you're a busy guy. How is it that you're able to manage your time to be able to, to do things outside of your clinical day-to-day? -day? Uh, so that's always the challenge. Um, uh, I would add this, the challenge of keeping actually the um, work-life balance. Uh, so I think it's efficiency is the key. So being efficient, I think, is very important. So there's no much uh, wasted time. Uh, so I have, uh, and actually in my clinical practice, I'm very busy. So I think it's about moving efficiently, seeing patients, caring for patients. And then when I have time to do the other things, again, moving efficient, can have very determined goals, having deadlines, and, um, you know, asking for help whenever help is needed. So some, some of the books I work with is just um, I ask other authors to help me. Uh, so I think with, with, uh, with all of this, um, um, you can stay busy, efficient, uh, and uh, I, I understand we don't have, there are things that we don't do, like I don't watch much TV or do much of those fun things. Uh, but, you know, I enjoy what I do, so I have my fun in what I'm doing as well. What, what made you get into anesthesia out of all the different medical specialties out there? So I enjoyed it very much, actually, when I did my postdoctoral research fellowship in Cleveland Clinic. I was in cardiac um, anesthesia. Uh, and I really, really enjoyed how um, how we deal with the patients and uh, dealing with, uh, you know, the operating room setting is a very critical setting where uh, there are no room for errors. And uh, anesthesiology is one of those specialities that you really can excel in to care for the patient. Um, I'll say critically and emergently care for the patients because when there is any emergency anywhere on the floor in any hospital, they will call the anesthesiologist immediately to secure the vascular access and the airway. So I enjoyed it very much that basically you save lives and you actually save lives. Uh, while you do some, yes, uh, planned surgeries, but in other settings, actually, you don't do any planned surgeries. You go for emergency surgery. You manage a patient who collapsed on the floor, and you need to make a decision in a fraction of a second to save this life. And so I so much enjoyed this, actually, um, professional fulfillment and helping patients uh, and actually effectively saving lives on every day. Great response. Great response. Is there, is there a part of your day-to-day, because -day, obviously you're involved with being, being the medical director, you're involved with uh, both business side, the business side of things, and then the clinical side of things. Is there a side that you like more? 
Um, that's a very good question. Actually, the, I enjoy very much what I'm doing. So clinically, I'm not in the same location every day, so I'm in different locations. And then um, my administration, again, is broad. So not only at the pain level, but I do interact with surgeons, um, neurologists, and others, because when you, when you talk about chronic pain, it's actually shared by too many specialities, uh, which uh, allow kind of providers to collaborate together to care for the, the pain patients. So it's very hard for me to say I like one actually over another. I enjoy like so much doing administration, academia, clinical care. And I believe all of them are important to deliver the best patient care. So just focus on patient care, not doing academia will not make me up to date providing the uh, most up to date tools to treat my patients. And also um, lack of administration skills can lead to poor patient access, which in turn poor patient care. So I think I'm very lucky and blessed to have the three on my plate. And as part of my job, so I can uh, actually, at the end, benefit the patient from the latest science, best administration, improving access, and um, be able actually to make the decisions with my colleague to provide the best uh, patient care. Excellent. So it's good to hear that you, you like both sides. Um, of your day to day, which is yep. which is amazing, which is needed, right? <laughs> yeah, well, very needed. Yeah, you can't do it otherwise. What? Where are some areas that that you've seen within healthcare that we need to innovate more? So, actually, our healthcare, um, I would say, can definitely benefit from some improvement uh, in mean of uh, having better communications with providers. It's very common that. Uh, providers were, were overlapping they do for the same patient due to lack of communication, which sometimes honestly hard to uh, overcome because of uh, patients uh, traveling between states or seeing in different systems that uh, will not have access to each other's information. Um, while I'm lucky here, actually, because we use, your, use almost the same uh, electronic medical record and we can access other hospitals, so that's a good model to follow in, in other places as well. Uh, in addition to ensure the, um, uh, you know, good training of physicians, well-being of physicians, make sure they are up to date on information to provide the best care for their patients, as well as educating the patients on the health system, how it runs, um, the different specialties, what do providers do and offer, uh, which again, that was the goal of my book that I published, is to create this kind of communication between the patient and their providers in chronic pain advocate for, for therapy, understand why we do what we do and why opioids can be of hazard. Um, uh, plus, increasing overall the public awareness of the health system uh, problems, limitations, because it's very common that you will encounter a conversation with a patient where just there are limitations to the service you can provide, either due to insurance coverage or uh, policies. So these are all like really areas that can utilize uh, some improvement. Okay. Uh, what What are some of the areas that that you want to? It seems to me. I mean, obviously, outside of your your clinical day to day, you're involved on the business side. You're involved with writing, uh, both as a contributor and the the key author of these different publications. What are some areas that you want to personally dive into in regards to healthcare innovation, or do you want to just stick within your clinical and business and writing focus? Um, so, no, on top of what I'm doing, there is area, and I'm actually, I started implementing it, but I think it can really utilize uh, uh, more improvement, is providing the, uh, at, uh, telemedicine 
and electronic consults to make sure that our patients everywhere in the nation can utilize the service they want from the person they want uh, and in the system they want. So we, we started actually implementing this, but I think that can go really broader. So this way, patients who live in rural areas, isolated area that doesn't have providers, uh, maybe through telemedicine and uh, e-consults, they still can get maybe the best care they look for from nearby systems or even far by systems. Uh, I think that's an enormous uh, project, uh, but I'm sure it will be of great benefit to our patients uh, to make sure they get the best care no matter where they are. Excellent. No, that was great. Uh, that was a great answer. Thank you so much for that. What What do you like to do outside of your day-to-day? So when you, besides writing, do you have any hobbies or anything that you like to do to take your mind off of work or to, to lower stress levels? Uh, definitely. And this is very important, actually. Uh, so number one is hanging out with my kids and my wife. Uh, have some good family time. Uh, and then actually my main hobby is uh, playing chess. So I love playing chess. And that well, I was at one point really the uh, Egyptian champion of chess. So I do have this app on my phone that I can play people in other um, uh, states or other countries at any time of the day. So I can catch to play a game. Uh, and also I play daily. And then going to the gym and biking, um, um, uh, which uh, probably more uh, biking in summertime, but going to the gym. Uh, all year long, I try to be as disciplined as I can. See, I think this would be a fun thing for our audience to see is we live stream you versus me and chess. I get my butt kicked real fast and we have a good laugh about it. <laughs> uh, you know, I love playing chess. Yeah, it's um, it is. It's it's very interesting. And it I like how how it's so strategy focused. Uh, I'm not good at it. I, I don't play enough to to uh to be good at it but it's it's always fun no matter what and it, it, the time goes by pretty quickly when you when you play a, a match with someone oh yeah actually you'll be surprised when you play chess actually you get like do you feel like the peak of stress that get relieved you know when when you win or lose or finish the game and uh, at one point when i was really in college i used to play blindfolded oh god uh, back to the board <laughs> so I was really into this. Uh, probably I can't do it much now. I just have to be looking at the board. Uh, but I feel, as you mentioned, I think it's a game that teaches you planning, strategy. Uh, you can't just think of the immediate move, but you have to have a plan to what you're doing. And I think that, in fact, it's so much actual they do in actual life. Yeah, man, blindfold. Yeah, don't we don't want to live stream you beating me blindfold. I'll feel yeah, really yeah. bad about that. <laughs> my, my confidence will go right out the window. So we, can, we can't be having that. <laughs> <laughs> um, the uh man that's that's crazy yeah my my sports tennis tennis is my thing but i can't play blindfolded um not something i can do i used to i used to like to try to give people a couple points and try to come back from it that was that was about as good as i could do that, that's good actually that's a good um, challenge but uh yeah it gets stressful too whenever you give someone a lead or i mean just like if we took off certain pieces that'd be interesting right to to take away a few of your chess pieces and see if you can still win uh, exactly there. and yeah. actually people do this yep Oh, they do. Oh, yep. wow. That's yep. that. So that's probably when you get to a certain level, that's like a cool challenge. Like yep. all of a sudden you know, they're taking away your queen, your a couple of your pawns. And now all of a sudden you need to figure out a way to win with less. That that must be fun. Oh, yeah. Actually, some, uh, you know, like because I do play a lot of chess, some actually people did it in world championships. 
scan the, the legends of chess and they still win. Really? So it's very, yeah, it's very entertaining to, uh, to watch the games. That's really interesting, actually. Different, uh, very different. It, huh. it is. I want to do this in a competition, but they did. Yeah, man, you're a busy guy. You're writing books, you're playing chess, you're medical director, you're providing care. I mean, when do you find a time to take a breath? <laughs> uh, you know, like, uh, I think it's just you're busy, just stay busy. Yeah, no, and I, I mean, it's definitely, it. definitely better to be busy than not. So I agree. I think when you're less busy, you're less productive, too. I mean, it just goes hand in hand. It's just that's how it is. Yeah, you, you and know, then you it, figure it out. It's, it's so funny. The times when my schedule is jam packed, it seems I get so much more done and, and without like even noticing it. And then the times that there's less on the schedule, it's like procrastination just kicks in because it has the opportunity to. Um, that being said, I would love for you to, to provide some color on how can we get more healthcare professionals that are qualified to write, start writing? What are some tips you would give them to, to take the plunge to start either becoming a contributor or being a full-on author? Uh, another very good question. And again, I uh, practice this uh, every day, actually, what I work and what I worked before is you have to have a mentor. I think mentorship is extremely important in all aspects of the profession and life. And I personally always had my good mentors to, uh, to date uh, to teach me the different things. So sometimes when you want to start something, you don't know much about it. Like many people think research writing, that's not my thing. I'm a physician. I can't do it. Uh, everybody can do it. You need to just find the right mentor. And I did mentor students um, maybe for the past 10 years who had uh, no, I won't say they had, they had interest in research, but they, they thought they can to do it. And, you know, looking now after five or six years, that they actually superb in research and writing and they can mentor others. Uh, so I would like people to think it's like driving. Um, when you learn how to drive, it's boring. It takes time. You may, uh, you know, uh, get an accident. You'll be frustrated. But once you know how to drive, you just know how to drive. So find a good mentor, find a good teacher, find somebody to teach you. Uh, and um, I'm sure this is going to be doable for all people. And I think it's very important that we get our knowledge, practice, published, written, provide the evidence and argue the evidence um, and have more collaborators. So physicians, many of them or most of them will focus only on the clinical piece. But there, it's very important that we all uh, publish our clinical work so we can teach each other. And actually, this at the end will enhance patient care. Interesting. Uh yeah, I would lo personally, I would love to see more people start writing. It's, uh, it, it's actually like a, I view it as like a de-stressor, to be honest with you. When, whenever I write an article or, um, or anything, it just, it's, it, you kind of feel like it's just you and the, the pen and paper or just you and the, the Word document to just write and, and be in your, your own you know, lane, so to speak. I agree. One of the... One of the last things before we wrap up I want to dive into is talking a little bit about where can people reach you? If someone wants to reach out to you after the podcast, what are some of the best ways for them to contact you? Uh, so the best way actually to contact me is my email address. Uh, it reads uh, A as in Apple, L as in Larry, A as in Apple, A as in Apple, A as in Apple, W as in White, N as in Nancy, Y as in Yellow at Hotmail.com. Um, and that's usually I check my email literally multiple times every few minutes. So 
people will be able to reach me. And then if we needed to chat by the phone or even have uh, more communication, meet in person, that would be all achievable. Uh, and I will respond to the usual respond to my emails very timely. If I didn't respond, this maybe means it went to my junk mail or something. So people maybe uh, need to just email me again. I never ignore any emails. I respond all the time. And the other thing is that I have a Facebook page too um, called uh, Dr. Allah Abd Al Sayed Chronic Pain Solutions. People can communicate with me there as well. And I think through also the, uh, your website, um, I'm not sure if there will be a, a way of communication, but if there is one, I will welcome it. Okay. Yeah, we can look into to setting that up as well. Um, great. Well, I, I don't want to take any more of your time out, but I want to thank you so much for being on the Slice of Healthcare podcast. We have a couple other podcasts that are in the queue, so this can be expected to come out in February, which uh, I'm really excited because we are almost there. And uh, I'll let you know when, when everything's live with this and very excited for this to be released to the public. All right. No, thank you for having me. Thank you for the uh, podcast. And I hope really uh, more and more people will be listening to this and for, to other future uh, projects and other articles uh, that we get to have very good academic interactions as well. Absolutely. And I want us to, to stay in touch as we move forward as well. I think there's some projects that you and I can work on moving forward, which we can, uh, we can discuss. Awesome. All right. Thanks so much. Yeah, thank Thank you. you. Have a great day. You too. Bye. Bye. Thank you to everyone who joined us for another episode of Slice of Healthcare. Be sure to check out our website, www.sliceofhealthcare.com, and follow us on social media at Slice of Healthcare on pretty much every channel except Twitter, which is at Slice of HC. If you're interested in being a guest or you know someone that would be a great guest, be sure to send us a direct message on Instagram or fill out our contact form on our website. We look forward to bringing you continu- uh, to continuing to bring you great content moving forward and can't wait for what the future holds. Thank you. you just heard was made using Anchor. Ever thought about making your own podcast? Anchor makes it really easy for anyone to get started. It's a one-stop shop for recording, hosting, and distributing podcasts. Best of all, it's 100% free. Sign up now at anchor.fm slash new. That's anchor.fm slash new to get started.